Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the final shear of the year, Pashas Nitzavim. And we're going to be talking about the halachas of Rosh Hashanah and Aseris Mechuva. And this will be our final shear before the Yom Taivim next week and the following week. And certainly Shabbos Chalmai, there won't be a uh, there, there, there won't we won't have this conference call. And looking forward to restarting as a Shem after the Yom Taivim, Pasha's Bracious. So I'm wishing everybody, all the participants, um, everybody listening, Aksiva Vachasima Taiva, and a sweet new year. And we should all be zeicha together to rise in Avodas Hashem and have all that we want and all that we need um, granted to us and gifted to us by Kaddish Baruch Hu. So let's talk about the halachas of Rosh Hashanah and the Aseret Yimei Rosh Hashanah is the beginning of the Aseret Yimei and there are halachas which affect tefillah throughout besides other halachas. In tefillah, we begin to make additions in Shemayin Asrei. In the beginning of Shemana Esrei, we say Zechreinu and Mikamaycha. And in the end, we say Uksov and Basefer. If you forget any of those, you don't repeat Shemana Esrei. And not only that, you don't even go back to that bracha after you finished it. So if you finished um, the first bracha of Shemana Esrei and you forgot to say Zechreinu, you don't go back. If you finish the second bracha of Shemana Esrei and you forgot to say Mikamaycha, don't go back as long Though, as you haven't completed the bracha, meaning you haven't said Hashem's name, you can go back and say those sentences that you forgot. We also switch the end of the bracha of HaKel HaKadosh, third bracha in Shemana to HaMelech HaKadosh. This change is Ma'akev. And if you forget and said HaKel HaKadosh, you do have to go back, and you have to go back to the beginning of Shemana You can't just go back to the bracha of HaKadosh. And whenever you remember, wherever you're holding, you start all over again, you start Shemana again, if you, even if you finished, or wherever you are. If you recall within a few seconds after saying HaKel HaKadosh and switch it to HaMelech HaKadosh, that works. But longer than that, uh, you would have to go back again to the beginning. And if you're not sure whether you said HaKel or HaMelech, we assume that you probably said what you're used to saying and didn't say HaMelech. We also switch in the weekday Shemana Esrei to HaMelech HaMishpat instead of Melech Oyehev Tzedakah Mishpat. But here you don't have to go back once you've finished the bracha because the yearly version also has the word Melech. So even though we shorten it to HaMelech HaMishpat, uh, if you said Melech Oyehev Tzedakah Mishpat, it's sufficient and you're Yaitzeh. We say Avinu Malkeinu every day of the Aserah with the exception of Mincha on Erev Shabbos. Shabbos. And Ervim Kippur. Ervim Kippur, both Shachris and Mincha, we don't say Avidim Alkenu. On Rosh Hashanah, everybody would like to daven, and everybody wants to daven with some kavana. If you are home with kids, that can be challenging or, or impossible. And mothers are not obligated to daven, as is always the halacha. Nevertheless, who, who doesn't want to daven? Everybody wants to daven. So here's what can be done. If you're in the middle of Shemana Esrei, and a baby starts crying or a kid needs help, you can stop and help the child or pick up the baby and soothe it. And this is permitted because simply you can't have kavana otherwise while it's going on. So it's permitted to stop and rectify the situation 
in order that you can daven with kavana. And even walking out of your place is permitted. Just walk back and continue where you left off. And even talking is permitted if there's no other way to achieve some peace and quiet or, or a semblance of thereof. So likewise, if you need to stand by a high chair and give food to a baby while davening, this is permitted because it's the only way to have kavana. Now, that having been said, chakras needs to be davened in the morning, but musaf can be done all day, and it can even be done after mincha time. So you don't have to do it earlier. You can do it later if that works out better because, you know, then your husband is home and can, you, can, you can find some quiet space to daven. If it is already time, mincha time, which would mean it's, uh, I believe, after 1.40. So once it's after 1.40, you are supposed to daven mincha first and then musaf because it's the more frequent fila. So if 1.40 is not exactly when it would happen. It's more like, let's say, you, you decide at 5 o'clock you want to start davening, you want to daven musaf and mincha, you, you want to actually daven both. So you, the order would be you daven mincha first, and then you daven Musaf. So when you're, you're about to daven both tefillahs, the order should be first Mincha and then Musaf. Tashloch should ideally be recited on Rosh Hashanah by a stream of running water, such as the creek over here in Flago. The pond in the park isn't really sufficient because it's not running water, although it has fish. But if that's the only option for you, because you know you can't get down to the creek, you are Yetzay with that. Otherwise, it can be recited any time during the Aserah Semechuvah, although some have a custom to do it specifically on the Monday this year, which is right before Yom Kippur, Tuesday is Yom Kippur. If you forget, it can be done until Hashanah Rabbah. The actual Indian of Tashloch is really just a few psukim you say right in the beginning. All the extra Tehillim and Tfilos are, of course, beautiful and important, but they're not essential to the minig. So, if uh, time is short or, you know, and, and there's children and, and all kinds of things that are, are disturbing, so the main thing to say by the creek is those few psukim that are right in the beginning of Tashloch, and then uh, the rest you can say later. You can say at home, and, and whatever, however it works better. There are different minhagim regarding simanim. Some do it only the first night, and others do it both nights. On the second night of Yantiv, we want to get a new fruit. And that's really the main minute of the new fruit is on the second night so that we can include it in the Shechiyanu that we make on Kiddush. Or if you make the brachas when you light the Neris on the second night and you make the Shechiyanu then, you should have the new fruit out and look at it. And the concept here is that the two days of Rosh Hashanah are different than the typical two-day Yantiv. The typical Yantav has two days because of what used to be. There used to be a question in the calendar, and there was an uncertainty which day is the real day of Yantav because they weren't sure how the, the Bezdin and Eretz Yisrael had set up the calendar because it fluctuated. But now we don't have a fluctuating calendar. We have a set calendar, so we know. But nevertheless, we still keep both days because uh, Gemara says, just in case, we get thrust into a gullus where we lose the calendar. So that's why we keep those two days, and we keep it the same way they used to keep it, which is one of the two days is the real day, so it's like a suffix. Either the first day is the right day, the second day is the right day. But Rosh Hashanah was always two days. It was always kept two days, as it is in Eretz Yisrael today. And therefore, the Gemara assumes that it's considered one long day of Yantiv. And if that's the case, if it's one long day, then the second day doesn't require a shahiyanu. It's just a continuation. You already made a shahiyanu on the first day. And that's a suffix. So therefore, 
That's why we bring a fruit so that in case it doesn't require a shachianu, the shachianu will be for the fruit's sake. Bottom line is that if, even if you don't have a fruit, you make a shachianu anyway, but that's why we have it. So if you, if you, uh, the main time to have that fruit would be on the second night when you're making that shachianu, and if you're doing it on the neiros, then just have the fruit out. Don't eat it then, but have the fruit out then, and then by kiddush, you hear it again when your husband makes kiddush, and you'll be out to that way. During the aseras you made tshuva, we don't eat pas akum, starting from Rosh Hashanah, the first day of the aseras you made tshuva. So starting from Rosh Hashanah, we don't eat pas akum. So it's important to avoid pretzels, cookies, bread, all which aren't pas Yisrael. Children also should be fed pas Yisrael, but only from the age of chinuch, like uh, five, I guess, or six years old and on, maybe a little younger, uh, from when they can understand the concept. But younger than that, certainly a baby, one, two-year-old, uh, you can give pasakum. Macaroni, noodles, anything which isn't baked, it's cooked or fried, doesn't fall into this question. So there's no problem of pasakum with macaroni and noodles. And likewise, most cereals don't fall into this question because they, even though they're not cooked or fried, but they don't really resemble bread. They can't be considered even a cookie. As far as tikkias are concerned, Women aren't obligated in tikkias, just as they aren't in sukkah or lulav. However, most women do want to hear tikkias, and it's the right thing to do. And it's sufficient to hear one set, meaning either the first set that's blown before Musaf, all those, you know, the tikkias shvarim, true tikkias, tikkias shvarim, tikkias, tikkias true tikkias, those those uh, thirty total. Or you can also, if you happen to come towards the end of Musaf, you hear the consecutive set that's blown after Musaf. That also works. Uh, and certainly, when if you go to hear the the, the shayfer that's specifically for women, all those work. If you miss the bracha, that's fine. Just listen as is. And in this case, don't quickly say the bracha to yourself because you're going to miss the tikkias. If you're there with your children and a child starts to make noise and you have to take them out, as long as you can hear, still hear the tikkias, hear yaitse. If you have to talk, try to get it in between the blows, and that's fine. It'll be yaitse. Much of the tefillahs and the different piyutim that we say on Rosh Hashanah mention and invoke the concept of schos avis. It's mentioned, I believe, in this week's parish as well. When we daven, we always start with mentioning schos avis. We say, Elokei Avram, Elokei Yitzchak, and Elokei Yaakov. And in slichas, which we're saying now every day, we find an interesting thing. We say, Misha ana lavram avinu bahara maria huya aneinu. This has now become a well-known song. The Hashem who answered Avram's tefillahs and Hara Maria should answer us as well. And that's like, that's interesting because really we're going to compare ourselves to Avram Avinu? Avram who went through ten Nisyainis and on Hara Maria he withstood the test of the Akedah, the ultimate test, and Hashem answered his tefillahs. Do we have anything remotely similar to bring to the table? How can we say, Hashem, answer us like you answered Avram Avinu? We say, Hashem who answered Yitzchak's filos when he was strapped onto the Mizbeach should answer us as well. Are we comparing ourselves to Yitzchak in, in the midst of the Akedah, the holiest moment in, in Jewish history? So I want to share with you a pshat I saw on Sefer Darash Mordechai about the concept of Tzchus a really, really beautiful, beautiful and inspiring pshat. <clears throat> when a person does a mitzvah, it's a great Tzchus for him. It goes up to Shemaim and is examined by the Beis Din Shalmailam. And the question is, how authentic is this mitzvah? 
how much does it define what kind of person the person is? Obviously, the schar for every mitzvah, but the the purer a mitzvah is, the more depth there is to it, the greater the schar. So the question is, did he do this mitzvah just by chance? Was it a fluke? <coughs> Simply because the, all the conditions were right. Or this is really who he is, a person who does mitzvahs. How can we know without testing? But this depends. So let's say for an example, just a, a muscle. Imagine a school makes a baseball game for the Rebbeim, a Rebbeim baseball game. So all the Rebbeim get together, and one of the Rebbeim, it's his turn as bat. And all the Rebbeim are watching him, and they're like, you know, smiling to themselves, and they're certain that he's going to strike out. He has no chance at hitting the ball, because he seems, he's that kind of person. He's totally immersed in learning, and that's all he does. That's all he seems to know about. He never talks about anything else. He's never interested in anything else. So they're sure he never touched a ball in his life. Lo and behold, the Rebbe, he hits the ball out of the park. So the spectators say to themselves, well, beginner's luck. There's no way in the world he'd be able to repeat that. But what if happens if they go and speak to him, and it turns out that as a kid, he played baseball without stop. He played and played, and he was even part of the, the, the peewee leagues, or whatever they call them. So then they'll say, oh, he hasn't played for years, but he still has the skill. And uh, makes sense. Yeah, then he'll be able to repeat it. So likewise, when a yid does a mitzvah, we have within us the characteristics of the others. Avram was Moser Nefesh for Chesed, and he made all of Kali Yisrael, he imbued us with that nature. And then when a yid does a Chesed, and he has guests, or he's Mavakir Chayla, or he does all other kinds of kindness for people, Hashem says, of course a Yid will do those mitzvahs. That's who he is. He's Avram Avinu's grandson. When a Yid displays mysterious nefesh for Avedis Hashem, he really puts himself out there and he goes above and beyond, pushes himself. Hashem says, of course, that's who he is. He's Yitzchak's grandson. That's, that's who he is. That's why he's doing it. Of course, that's not a fluke. This is in his nature. This is something he trained for. Because the Avas instilled all the characteristics that they gave their life for in all of Klayashal, their children. And this is how we daven mentioning Zchus Avas, because we retain a piece of the Avas within ourselves. We emulate them. We identify with what they stood and lived for. And therefore, we can daven in their Zchus. And that's how we say Hashem, who answered Avram Avinu, answer us too. Because we have a part of Avram in us. We identify with him and we retain his characteristics. But do we really? Sometimes our other actions, uh, they testify against us. They say they don't seem to be children of the others. Our Averis start to cast aspersion on our mitzvahs as well. And that's why we have to constantly invoke this chos others and continue to strengthen that part of our national and personal identity. Strengthen it within ourselves and bring it to the attention of Hashem, so to speak, so that Hashem looks at us and our mitzvahs that way, not the other way. And how do we do that? Well, the whole Sefer Bereshis and Shemais teaches how to identify with others, but what we can do now is perhaps try to emulate their tefillahs. That's the, that is, is the Aveda these days to daven. And when the others davened, they believed in the power of tefillah 1,000%. Hashem answered a Ramavino on Har Maria 
perhaps not necessarily because of the Nisayan and the mitzvahs that he did, but simply for the nature of the tefillah that Avraham Avinu Davin. It was a tefillah that he put his heart and soul into and realized with full amuna and bitachan that Hashem listens and that tefillah is the only thing that helps and that is gave his tefillah the tremendous, tremendous superpower that it had. And this is an extremely important aspect to work on approaching Rosh Hashanah and when we're davening all these tefillahs is simply to believe that they work. I saw a wonderful girl, a wonderful story, I'm sorry. I saw a wonderful story about a, a French a girl who became a Baal's Shuvah. Her name was Annette. She wasn't religious, but she became very interested in Frumkite, and she spent all her Shabbosim with Frum families. She, desperate, she desperately wanted to become totally Frum, but it just wasn't going to happen with her, without her getting married. And she was... 38, and hadn't found the Shidduch. She was visiting Eretz Yisrael in the city of Nativot, and people told her to get a bracha from the Rosh Hashiva of Yeshivat HaNegev, big, big tzaddik, not alive anymore, Rabbi Sacher Meir, who lived in Nativot. So she went to his house, but he, his family told her that he just wasn't able to see anyone. He was too weak for the day. But in frustration, she yelled in French, you don't know how much I need this bracha. One of the members of the household happened to speak French and saw how much this meant to her, so she took down her request and brought it to the Rosh Hashiva. Rav Meir, Rabbi Sacher Meir, sent back a bracha that she should be zeicha to a shidduch and told her she should say Tehillim, Perek Ches, Perek Yid Gimel, Perek Chavdalid, and Perek Nun Gimel, those four prakim, 8, 13, 24, and 53, I believe, and Amir Tashem shall have a Yeshua. One month later, Annette was at the door again. She was told by the family that the Rosh Hashiva wasn't well and hadn't seen people all day. She smiled and she said, I think the Rosh Hashiva will feel better when he hears this news. I'm a Kala. So they told Rav Meir, and sure enough, this strengthened him, and he came out, they gave her Mazel Tov, and they even had a little dance in the house, and everybody wished her bracha. The member of the family who spoke French went over to Annette and asked her, do you read Hebrew by any chance? So Annette said, no. So how did you say the Tehillim that the Rosh Hashiva suggested you say? Did you have like a Tehillim that has a transliteration into French? So Annette looked at her and, and didn't understand, and, and she rep- replied with total tremendous. She said, I did exactly what the Rosh Hashiva said I should do. Every day I said, Tehillim, Tarek Ches, Perek Yud Gimel, Perek Chavdalet, Perek Nun Gimel. I said that every day. And then I daven to Hashem and I said, Hashem, I need a shidduch so much. I want to build a Jewish home. And that's how our tefillahs were answered. And that's the power of pure tefillah. When a, a person truly, truly believes in the power of their tefillah, even just saying, Tehillim Perek Ches, Perek Yud Gimel, Perek Chavdalet, Perek Nun Gimel, has the power to bring a Yeshua. And we all be zeicha to see our tefillahs answered and tefillahs all Klayas are answered and have a tefillah a wonderful Shabbos and a good Yantif.